Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we talk about technology and golf and what we are looking forward to in the new gaming season. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren King. Darren, as you know, I have a lot of hobbies. Well, yeah. I, I, I do a lot of stuff. Um, stuff. <laughs> yeah. For Hardware Asylum, obviously, I do reviews. I do a bit of overclocking, and it turns out I seem to be the only hardware reviewer that does LN2 now, which is kind of cool. You know, yeah, that's nice, though. Badge of honor. Some of the other hobbies I have, obviously, motorcycles, mini trucks. I used to do car stereo, paint, modding, stuff like <laughs> that. But I'd like to get out of the house and out into the green pastures and Play around to golf every once in a while. Well, you got to do something to stay active, right? Man does not live in the garage alone. No, no. And, you know, um, I think it was, I don't know, some poet was saying that golf is a great walk interrupted or something like that. <laughs> and, you know, I like to go and carry my bag of clubs and walk down 18 holes and get a nice four-hour walk out of it. Well, you've been playing golf for a while, though, Dennis. So what's changed? You know, I... I have a goal and my goal was, um, you know, when I first started golfing, I, I did the right thing. I went and had fun and then went and bought clubs and got a lesson. Oh yeah. Getting a little more serious. You know, I, I'm a bit of an older gentleman. What? So, yeah, I know it's like, it's not like I golfed in college or in high school. You know, I joked with friends about going down to the local course and driving one of the carts into the water hazard, which I thought was kind of humorous at the time <laughs> probably would have got me arrested but it still would have been fun but uh yeah i never quite um did sports you know i'm not very athletic i was more of a, a brain instead of a bod so to speak so i never did you know baseball football stuff like that and the one sport that my parents never tried me out on was golf because of the cost of admission well, and golf has a perception of being the gentleman's sport. I mean, it's a little bit older skewed. Mm -hmm. So I can see where that wouldn't have the the romantic and dashing appeal to a youngster. Yeah. But, you know, it turns out that that's the one game slash sport that I'm halfway good at. So, um, yeah. So my goal originally when I first started was like um, to try out for the Boise Open. Oh, now that's an impressive goal. Yeah. So, you know, I did a bit of research, you know, um, a little bit of background, the Boise Open is a web.com stop, which is basically the pre-PGA. So it's just like the, the feeder team, if you will, the, yeah, the minor like a, leagues. Like a farm league. Yeah. But that's a popular series with lots of good stops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of you know PGA stars that went through the web.com tour. They made the money list. They got promoted to PGA. You know, this is all technical stuff, right? Um, and, you know, made millions and won the Masters, stuff like that. Um but the Boise Open, it, the open at the end of it is that there's 12 spots, 12 qualifying spots to allow somebody to walk onto the course, play the qualifying match, score low enough, and then be invited to play in the open. So it's kind of wild card then. You can, if you're good, make the team or make mm -hmm. the tour at least. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have any, you know, ideas of grandeur. I'm, I'm not good enough to play in the Boise Open, but... I could be good enough to play in the qualifying match. Oh, okay. So, you know, that's my realistic goal is to play in the qualifying match and see how I do. So what are you doing different? What are you doing to get there? 
Well, I, I have to do two things. One, I have to upgrade some equipment because my clubs are old enough that, they, you know, they changed the rules with like grooves and some crazy stuff saying, so they aren't legal to <laughs> establish a handicap. Interesting. Now, I, I didn't realize that, but it sort of makes sense. You got to keep everybody on a level playing field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the handicap is key because you have to have a two handicap to qualify to get to sign your name to the qualifying match and then pay like 500 bucks and hope there's a spot. Well, there's got to be money in there somewhere. That makes sense. Yeah. So my goal is to basically get a two handicap, which is a pretty big goal. Um, I'm like 15 or 20 or 18 or something like that now these days. So it's quite a big, steep curve to get there, but I think I can do it. So you're up in your game. Up in my game, much like your paintball game where you're <laughs> getting out of it. So I, I bought some new equipment, um, some new RSI TP clubs. These are tailor-made clubs. I bought some air burner woods just to kind of go with it with the new theme. Uh, I still have a driver that I like. It's a old R7 Limited and a putter that I totally love, which, you know, once you find a putter that you like and you can hit the ball well, you hold on to it. I'll give them a plug. What's the, what's the brand on that? It's the Odyssey Hawk, which, strangely enough, is a one-off club that Odyssey had made. They did it for like one year, and then all of a sudden it went away. Oh, no. You're going to be hunting more down if you get <laughs> successful, right? Something like that. But, um, yeah, as part of my game improvement, I'm also looking at, um, at game aids. So, like laser rangefinders. Oh, bringing technology out to the golf game. Well, that, that suits the overclocker computer enthusiast. Yeah. And there's also like GPS apps that you can run on your Android phone. So you can, um, keep score for one and then also find out like where I'm standing, how far it is to the green. So it's like 200 yards, 150 yards. That's just general gps app well now let's slow down a little because this has kind of gone from pga pro to maybe a little late night tv how are all these technology things affecting your game well from the equipment standpoint it's more conforming to what the rules require there's i would think that the the fancy clubs have got to give you some kind of edge right well yes and no um for instance the rsi tp irons are the tp is they stands for like tour preferred or something like that so they're slightly redesigned and they're based off of what their tour players like so these are like the classified kingpin edition of clubs yes <laughs> that, right. that's a very getting it it's a very good analogy so these particular clubs they have um in the long irons they have these little speed pocket things which allow a little bit more bounce off of the ball when you hit it so you get a bit more distance control out of it um, and it's also a wider sweet spot, oh, which is a, I'm doing air quotes right now. Sweet spot. See, I need a golf club the size of my shoe. Yeah. So, uh, off center hits supposedly carry about the same distance as a center of the shot hit. So for, um, the PGA pros that allows them to be more consistent, even if they are a little less than consistent. Now you mentioned a laser, Yes, I do. I bought a laser rangefinder because at some of the courses that I play here locally, um, what they're supposed to do is put yardage markers out and they usually mark them on sprinkler heads. So when you're walking by, you find a sprinkler head and it might say 200 and then you walk back to where your ball is and you 
pace it off and say, okay, that's 10 yards from 200. So that's 210. And then you pick your 210 club. Well, a lot of the courses I play don't have that. They just have like a concrete marker in the middle of the fairway that's painted blue. That's the 200 yard, I believe. And the red one is a hundred yards. And then they have the barber pole, which is 150. And you kind of have to estimate off of that. With the laser range finder, I can beam the, the flagstick and know exactly how far away it is. And if I need to land behind it, I can just add 10 yards right. and, and grab that particular club. So that portion of it is helping me determine what club to hit and if I'm hitting that club the distance that I want. So I have this vision of you all black ops out there with some sort of crazy laser, but you also mentioned an app or apps that you were using. Oh, well, before I bought the laser rangefinder, I played around with a couple of GPS apps for the Android. It's basically you turn on GPS and it knows that you're on the course and what course you're at. And then it'll say, okay, um, it pretty much just keeps score. And then when you hit the ball, you can walk up to the ball and it will tell you how far away you are from the green. GPS is can be infinitely accurate or it can be widely inaccurate. Like it might think I'm in the street. Oh no. So um, that's where the rangefinder comes in handy because you know exactly how far away it is. So I would think the app would be a nice advantage also because you can keep track of how you've played a particular course. It does. It will keep score better than like a little paper card and stuff like that. So, you know, when you get up there and you hit a hit your shot, you can say, okay, I hit my shot. And then you go and swing and then you walk up to where it landed and you say, okay, I'm going to hit my shot. So it will keep track of where you are when that happens. Now there's another device though, that I think is a lot better suited for this. And it's something that I've been really kind of toying with, um, with buying. It's 200 bucks and it's kind of why I haven't done it yet. Right. But it's called Game Golf. Game Golf. Fun. All right. I like games. Yeah. So it uses RFI tags that go in the butt end of your club. And you have a device that you put on your belt or in your pocket. And when you go with a hit a shot, you grab your club and you tag it. And that RFI tag is... Um, it's matched to the club that you pick. So like if you pick your driver and you tag it, it says, okay, I'm going to hit driver. And you're on your tee box and you hit your drive. And then when you land at the ball, it's saying I'm going to hit seven iron. You tag your seven iron and then game golf will record how far you hit the driver. And that's using the GPS technology as well. Yep. It's using the GPS that's built into the device. And they claim that it's a bit more accurate than your phone. That sounds cool. Yeah. So using little RFI tags, just like in your passport, for instance. Now, in your experiences with at least the local golf courses, are the golf courses themselves supporting the technology, or is this something that you're just getting out on the open market? Uh, they are, for the most part, they don't care. Um, in tournaments, they can get a little dodgy. Like, for instance, you can't use a laser rangefinder in a tournament. No, I guess I could see that. Um, but you can use the game golf. But the game golf, the, the $200 one, comes with its own little device, and all you are doing is just tagging. So it's keeping track of everything. You don't get any feedback off of it. It's the um, the feedback that they are preventing you from using. So you can't use, can't pull at your phone and figure out how far you are from the. the <laughs> what pen. did I use last time, and how far did I go? Yeah. So that's where um, you know, like a good caddy, for instance, would be able to go and find where the barber pole is, and then walk back and figure out how far away you are. Um, and that's why the caddies get paid a lot of money on the tour. 
That makes sense. Um, but you know, as I mentioned before, some of the courses aren't marked as well, so you kind of have to guess. And that's why some of those game improvement things come in handy. Well, there's a lot of interesting technologies that you've talked about, and I didn't honestly realize that there was that many options in golf. I, well, maybe that's why my golf game is just not that impressive. Well, with all things, you know, technology gets involved and somebody sees a deficiency, so then they create a solution for that. For instance, when you're on the course, maybe you don't want to write down the score, so they go and write an app for that. Right. And then that app expands into keeping track of a score throughout all the times you play at that course. I'm totally that guy. Yeah. And, you know, the the enthusiast in me, regardless of what it is, I want to kind of bring in all the toys and find the ones that work and the ones that actually help me. And that's one thing that I've noticed with my game is that it's gotten better. You know, just like, like for instance, with you and paintball, it's like you buy the equipment that you like and you like to use and shoots accurately and shoots the distance that, that you want consistently. Well, that's the way it is for like golf. You know, you pick the equipment that you want that actually runs consistently. Um, you know, even in overclocking, some of the guys will use the same F1 container they've used for the past six years because it's gotten seasoned. They know exactly how much the pour to be, bring the temperature down just to that right amount. They pick in a new container and then they spend six months trying to figure out how it works. And, um, you know, even the processor, the heat will change the way that it works, but the curve is always the same. So it's all about finding comfort in the equipment and relating it to whatever you're using it for. Well, technology is everywhere. There's no escape. So I look forward to seeing that game continue to improve. One of the segments that we come back to every once in a while when we run out of ideas is, <laughs> what are you playing? And that's is a segment where we, Darren and I just kind of talk about what games we've been playing and what kind of has really been keeping our attention. Well, it's not such a bad topic this time of year, Dennis, because we're coming into the holiday shopping season right? and Black Friday. So there are a lot of games being released right now and a lot that I'm looking forward to. Well, you go first. What are you looking forward to? Well, I'm sure it's no shock to folks out there that I am playing a lot of Battlefield 4 still. Aren't aren't you on the admin track or something like that? You know, it's funny that you are. So I have been promoted in my clan, and I'm getting ready to uh, learn how to be an admin for my favorite Battlefield 4 servers. Cool. Well, when that finally goes through, we'll have to get back on and uh, talk about that. Yeah, but one of the reasons I've been playing is, well, I've been doing some mouse reviews, so I spend a little extra time gaming, but there hasn't been really anything else that's drawn my attention away from that. But that I think is going to change. At least I hope it will as we go into the holiday season, because this week as we're recording, this is the open beta. Well, I guess only open if you've pre-purchased of star Wars battlefront. Okay. So I'm excited about it. I like star Wars. Yeah. And I liked the old battlefront. Okay, so um, get me up to speed. So what type of game is that? I you know, I, I don't know anything about them. So Star Wars Battlefront is an EA game. Okay. So what they've done is... Taken, is it like Leisure Suit Laird or something? Uh, no, nothing that interesting. Okay. So Battlefront was the original Star Wars first-person shooter that was a multiplayer as opposed to you playing through a story. 
and it took some of the major stages from the original movies mm-hmm. and gave you the opportunity to go out and replay those epic battles. And it wasn't, well, I guess it was kind of cutting edge back in those days, but there wasn't a lot to it. I mean, you didn't have great vehicles and whatever, but what it did have is, you know, you could battle the Empire versus the Rebels or whatever and relive those battles. And So was it like real-time strategy or was this like first-person shooter? No, or? this is first-person shooter. So this is an old title, but they've, they've revived it. So what you're going to see is some of the classic battles in Star Wars and some probably from the upcoming movies coming this year. Oh, we could hope. Uh, that are coming out. And to give an example of that, probably the title that's giving you the most uh, excitement or giving me the most excitement is the Battle for Hoth, which is, of course, from The Empire Strikes Back, the ice planet battle. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I'm i going to date myself here, but I played that in the arcade. You remember that old sit-down one where you'd, yes. yeah, you'd have to fly the thing? Yeah, and then also on the Atari 2600. <laughs> well, the arcade game was one of the better sit-down games, and you still see that today. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things about it that I'm excited about, and the most is just playing that again and getting excited about Star Wars again because a lot of my youth was based around Star Wars. But there are some things about it that are a little sketchy too. So I'm hoping it doesn't die on the vine like Titanfall, for example. Yeah, well, that was just a bad game to begin with. Yeah, so one of the, probably the biggest red flags out there that I have to share with our listeners is it doesn't have server browsing capability like you're used to. It only survives on EA's super lame server matching. Oh, yeah, just like Blockstorm, which was terrible. Oh, God, you know, I want to love it. I want to think it's going to work out, but they're going to try to match you with games based on your skill, which... Yeah, maybe sounds good, but I want to play with my friends. Yeah, that is what's important. You know, you do multiplayer, you should have a choice. So my, my hope is that this particular negative is being a little blown out by the alpha beta testers. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time they get to release, they'll have it figured out. Because the other B side of that is that at some point, you know, the servers die out if they're only EA servers and it becomes harder and harder to find a match until the game dies. Yeah. But that I'm I'm excited about. And I should also point out that one of my all-time favorite game series is getting an update. Also, a lot of great publicity, and that's the Fallout series with Fallout 4. Yes. Bethesda. Now, Bethesda does an amazing job with these giant worlds. Fallout has been a classic example. And you either love or hate the style. Mm-hmm. I'm on the love camp, so I've played the heck out of the previous titles, including the Tactics and the Brotherhood of Steel and some of the niche games, because I just love that world. I mean, the only other one that comes close, really, is the uh, the Warhammer world for me, for the immersion, the depth, and the unique feel of it. Yeah, you were telling me about the new Warhammer 4,000 or 9 million or something like that. So, yeah, Warhammer 40K is out there, and it's gotten cheap. You should check it out. The mm-hmm. big release in that one that I'm looking at is Blood Bowl, Blood Bowl 2 actually has just come out, and that's in the Warhammer universe. Hmm. It's a combination of American football and the Warhammer 40K universe, which is very violent, melee-based. And the game will play turn-based, which is a throwback to the original board game that I grew up with, maybe dating myself a little bit there. But I think it will let you play real-time also, like if you were playing the Madden games, for example. So that gives you an idea of kind of what I'm excited about this year. But I know you've been going back and playing some interesting games as well. 
One game I know you told me that I needed to buy because it was cheap or something. Super cheap. Like two cents or 50 cents. <laughs> or, I don't know. It was an indie game. It's called Blockstorm. So I picked it up off of Steam and uh, fired it up. And it's multiplayer only, which is a little weird. It's first-person shooter. And it's based kind of like blocks. So, so sort of influenced by the whole Minecraft thing, right? Yeah. I can see a little bit of Minecraft in there. The blocks are obviously a lot smaller. There's a bit more detail. Um, but I fired that up. It was multiplayer only. It just kind of matched me with a server. And I got dumped in with, like, one guy that was just trying to go after achievements, which was Aww. really annoying because he was just complaining the entire time. Right. Um, the thing that I noticed was that I roll up on somebody, tried to shoot them, and it was like Counter-Strike all over again where I aim here and the bullets are going all over the place except for where I aimed. Oh, no, no. Counter-Strike's gotten better than that at least, but I know what you're talking about. Classic. Yeah, yeah classic. So it was almost like you had to guess where the bullets were going to go which was kind of fun, but uh, found that you could do rocket launcher and grenade launcher, which was kind of fun because the entire environment was completely destructible. And that's though it got me excited about it. And the maps I saw, at least in the, in the demo videos were multi-layered. So it's possible to, you know, get Go up, through the floor. Yeah. Or shoot somebody's cover away from them. Mm -hmm. That was one thing that I played around with. And after like four or five rounds of, you know, not winning because I couldn't <laughs> shoot anybody, but I got to the point where we were on this big map. It was like a castle. Reminded me a little bit of a, a um, Unreal Tournament map, but down below was a bunch of lava, and there was a couple of spawn points down there. So I would spawn, and then it turns out you could build stuff. So I'd build walls and then completely block myself off and then throw a grenade over and then blow up the bridge. And I was just kind of having fun with it until somebody found out, oh, hey, there's stuff happening down here, and then they would come in and blow up the wall and shoot me. Oh, no. Well, it sounds like it has great potential, but not land party friendly, it sounds like. No, not so much. It, um, it just, well, yet to be seen. <laughs> well, did you feel like you got your, your money's worth since it was such a cheap purchase anyway? Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely worth what I paid. Um, so the, the next game was one that I picked up, I think, on a Steam sale which was Deus Ex, the director's cut. Oh, now that is a classic that I've been meaning to get back to. I never beat it. Oh, well, Human Revolution, I think I built, beat the original one because I bought that when it first came out. And then the director's cut has a bunch of the DLC and a couple of extra things in it. Okay. So I, got, I played through it again, and it had been so long since I played it before that a lot of the story missions were, some of them I remembered, some of them were new, or at least seemed new. But I took a different tact where I went in and tried to do alternate all the side missions and some of the alternate ways of getting through a map. It's like the first time I just blast my way through, right? Yeah, now that's a game that has been around for a while. How does it feel? Does it feel the age? Do you, Does it feel old? It doesn't feel old at all. It's one of those that I think uh, you could play and then play again. There's, um, there's actually New Game Plus, so you can pick up where you left off, and then start the, the entire game again, which is kind of fun. Since the game has a lot of RPG elements, your character, you can upgrade them to do um, blast through walls, or you can have a parachute so you, you can jump down high distances. You can have, you can upgrade your legs so you can jump really high. There's a lot of things you can do to your character to change the way that the game plays. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so it's one of those 
games, it, it has replayability. The reason I was playing it again was because of the announcement for the next Deus Ex. Oh. And I forget exactly what the name is, but it's supposed to support DirectX 12, which will mean it runs on Windows 10. Um, and if it has any callback to the previous games, all the way back to the original Deus Ex, it should be a blast. Well, that sounds pretty good. So you're looking forward to the new Deus Ex. What else is on your list as we go into the holiday season? Well, there is Fallout. I want to play a bit of Fallout, probably on the PC, though. And believe it or not, um, I'm embarrassed to say, but Minecraft. Oh, no. Well, you know, Minecraft invaded my house pretty heavily. But I uh, I never felt the hook to play myself, although I did help my uh, my kids learn how to install and play mods. Right. Well, a couple of uh, my previous co-workers have come by, and his son was setting up a Minecraft server. So I was helping them out with some hardware so they could set up a server so they could run that independently. And that kind of got me thinking. It's like, well, everyone talks about Minecraft. Microsoft paid a couple billion dollars for the Minecraft franchise. You see it at the toy store all the time. So I started pulling up a few videos. And there's mods that are available for Minecraft. There's, you know, you can buy it on console. And And as I was... Very soon, there'll be story mode. Yeah, that should be fun. Um but the thing that gets me is that the game has a purpose. While you think you go in and you just mine blocks, it has a purpose in that there's end game. There's a, a dragon that's a couple of levels down that you're supposed to kill. And when you kill the dragon, that's it. That's, you know, when the game is done. The ender dragon. But when you, to get there, you have to survive. So at night, you know, you have zombies and skeletons and spiders that come out and try to kill you during the day you can go and mine for stuff so you can go get iron ore so you can create iron ingots that allow you to create iron tools and allow you to do more stuff you can't and it turns out you can't mine um like gold for instance unless you have an iron pickaxe if you have a wind one you can mine dirt so <laughs> mining dirt well that makes sense yeah so there's a lot of um elements in there that it's all, um, well, this is the crafting element, right? So there's a lot that you can do, but you have to know how to get past certain aspects of it so you can advance in the game. It seems easy enough. And, you know, if you mine down, you know, just create a shaft all the way down. When you encounter ore, then it gives you, you know, experience points. If you go and kill a, a, a horse, for instance, for leather, it gives you experience points. So it's very just kind of mindless go through the game and you can burn a few hours and not even know it. Wow. So Minecraft on your list, I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I'm still surprised. And it's, it's mostly a curiosity thing, you well, know? Yeah. But millions and millions of players can't be wrong, right? There's gotta be something there. Well, yeah. And there's YouTube channels dedicated to it that tell you exactly how to do stuff and they make it fun. But you know, the, the stignata is that, you know, it's like, 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds that are playing it. It's not yeah. people that are doing a hardware podcast that <laughs> play Minecraft. So that, that's what kind of scares me is the fact that I'm intrigued by the game. But it's one of it's a game that it has elements in it that allow you to play it for a really, really long time. And that's something that I miss in games where, you know, you can play Deus Ex, for instance, for three weeks straight and 
finally finish the game. So that's a really long game because there's a lot to do. You could play Modern Warfare 3 for eight hours and be done with the game. So there's elements in games that are missing that I think really need to come back. Well, that's interesting enough. I may have to give it a, a second look when my kids are playing. And if nothing else, it is something that you could play with the wife and kids. It, it bridges the gap, I think, nicely between a little more serious game and the casual game experience. I think that's why it's so popular. Yeah. Well, and it's multiplayer, so you can bring everybody in. Well, we'll have to see what ends up catching our attention for next time. But for now, if we've missed a great game we should be looking forward to, come on over to the forums and tell us about it. And we'll see you next time. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. This has been an Engineering Production, copyright 2015. Thanks for listening.